somebody like you doesn't get to be a world champion. That's reserved for people like me. You're not here to be a competitor. You're here to be an entertainer. That's what you do. You entertain people. Hell, you entertain me all the time. Go ahead, Book. Why don't you entertain? Go ahead. Do a little dance for me, Book. Come on, Book, dance. Entertain me. That's your job. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, Book. That's what you do. You're here to make people like me laugh. You know it. That's your role. Your job is to make people like me laugh. And you're very good at it. With your nappy hair and your suckers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Thank you so much for listening to us today. If you haven't had a chance yet, please make sure to subscribe at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. Follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash struggle session. Leave us a voicemail at sesh.show. And hey, check out the merch, strugglesession.shop. On today's episode, I am joined by Brian of Street Fight Radio, and we're talking wrestling and one of the most racist things to ever happen in wrestling. Very excited today. All right, so Brian, did you get to check out Crown Jewel? Uh, I did not watch Crown Jewel. Um, I really haven't watched the WWE show in, in a lot of years now. I, I kind of, I record almost every night and i have raw and smackdown and nxt 2.0 i mean you gotta say the 2.0 playing on the screen so i can see what's happening but man it's so bleak like it's so hard and that saudi show i mean from all accounts it was good Right? I mean, it was like, like the most stacked show they put on in like years it was like bigger than wrestlemania yeah, so people are t- saying that it is actually very good. Uh, I personally don't believe them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's that's my bias showing because maybe it is good. I just, man, like when you start talking about like good wrestling matches, I find it very hard to say and i'm sorry i i could name three or four but to say a wwe match as being good like i can name a a wwe match from maybe the past 10 years five years five years i'm gonna go with five years i can't really name any that i liked you know the last one i really loved like in a non-ironic way was goldberg versus brock lesnar at that WrestleMania where they had that match. That's like the oh, last match. I actually match saw that one. That was garbage. <laughs> oh, you didn't like that? Oh, garbage. God. That's one. That's probably the last WWE match that like, I will still tell people like, you know, I fucking love this. I, I just, uh, 
That's a really good one. I can't believe you don't like it. That's crazy. I mean, Goldberg's had what maybe two, three good ones in his like career. Yeah, that's the one. That's that's one of them. <laughs> I think it's D, I think it's DDP, and you can't even say the Bret Hart one since it ended his career. So it's like DDP. I guess the Regal one's funny. Uh, where Rico kind of uh, works and kind of stretches. I mean, him. I don't. I had this conversation with somebody online uh, earlier in the week about uh, big. Oh, it's perfect because I can just bring bring it up with the actual person we were talking about. Somebody was talking about how they don't like Jade Cargill. That Jade Cargill shouldn't be in the TBS tournament over Big Swole. Um, which it's not that's not like really there wasn't like ever a choice between the yes. two. You know what I mean? It was it, there was no like reason that they both couldn't be in it. Um, but for some reason Swole not being in it and and here's the reason why, right? Because Jade Cargill's very green. Uh she's she's brand new. She, I don't think she's been wrestling for a full year yet uh but the way i responded to them was to say jade cargill looks incredible and when somebody is has a look like that or a a charisma like i feel goldberg has then i personally don't care if they can work at all it just there's nothing in me that's just like oh I, you know i wish you know I wish they were a little more crisp. Like I'm totally okay with them not being able to work. I mean, I was Goldberg couldn't work to the dangerous level, which was I, I was never, which is not a good thing. Uh, Jade, uh, she's fine. You know, I think she's great. As you said, she's a striking figure, has tons of charisma. Is she the best wrestler now? No, but she doesn't have to be the best wrestler. They got other, but they got Sheeta. They got Deep. Speaking of, man, I thought that match on Dynamite between Sheeta and Deeb uh, last, uh, just the other day was amazing. Amazing. I love that so much. It was so good. And I think that sort of the direction or the character that they're sending Serena oh, yeah. Deeb into is one of the best sort of women's characters I think I've ever seen on on wrestling i mean obviously the story hasn't played out but like they don't generally like to wwe by the way is who i'm talking to and you know ring of honor like all of them they don't usually like to give a woman the unhinged gimmick and like that's a shame because women can be unhinged too <laughs> i mean i've seen uh serena d all over i see her uh, Saw her in Shimmer a bunch of times, ACW. Oh, and by the way, Shimmer is uh, this weekend, so anybody in Chicago, please check that out. It's great wrestling on a Sunday afternoon at the Berwyn Eagles Club. Um, but yeah, Deeb can do it all uh, in Out of the Ring. Great talker. I actually was in Japan and saw her what was supposed to be her retirement match a few years ago. But she ended up coming back because of, I think, the WWE tournament. And then she did some more stuff with them. 
And she ends up in AEW and she, and, well, she ends up NWA Women's Champion. Now she's in AEW, like with a new, you know, start to her career. It's just absolutely uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think she is, I think she's really good. I think she's going to be a great fucking character moving forward. Oh, yeah. Like when, when they first put her with, Okay, when they first put her with Sheeta in that Sheeta was supposed to win her 50th match, but Deeb pinned yeah. her. Uh, I loved Yeah, that. that was great. I thought I thought that was a gutsy angle to do. Um I I think like it was one of those rare moments where it seemed like the people making rest, the wrestling show and there's another thing like this going on too uh uh understands heat like what like heat is and it's not just the uh uh it's not the the wwe version of heat which is just never giving anybody what they want oh yeah uh this is like a different thing like you you knew they were going to give you what you wanted in the end um so yeah, I I I loved that. I thought that was a great yeah. match, and uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Sheeta. Like, I think Sheeta's badass. Oh, she's amazing. And uh, giving her a feud with somebody who also can work to like that high level is is gonna really do. I think it's gonna be like really good for the women's division. Period. Oh yeah, yeah. It's nice that they have uh, this great feud. Not near either. Uh, well, I guess it's technically might be uh, part of the title, but it doesn't have to be. They can keep this feud going outside of the championship matches, and like you could have a big seeing a. I know that they have a strong division when they ha start having big feuds without not centering around the titles, and that's when you know they're really treating the women, you know, fifty fifty as it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see. Like, I do believe that there are really two realistic people for the uh, TBS title. And uh, I hope that they're using this bracket to start women's feuds. I think that because they did that with that battle royal on um, on all out like they built a few matches yeah, there yeah. and uh i want them to like keep i want them to like have you know ideally you want the show to have like you know if there's gonna be five i guess there's what there's four matches you, you really want there to be at two or five matches let's say five matches you probably do want there to be two or three women's matches and they have fallen short of that a lot uh in this company yeah. so you, you really want to see you really want to see them start moving towards that because if there is one thing that world wrestling entertainment has over AEW, uh they do focus on their women's division well quite a bit. Let, well, like let's lot. let's let's put that in clarification because in AEW, <laughs> one women's match goes as long as the entirety 
of the WWE Women's uh, Tournament, uh, Queen's uh, Tournament recently. And they had, and when they wrestled in Saudi Arabia, yes, they had to wear like the big t-shirts and the parachute pants. And they all looked, they all looked awful. I felt so bad for them. So I'm not sure if it's quite uh, comparable with WWE. And I, WWE just frankly is the same thing with like the black wrestlers. They have a lot more talent and experienced talent like mm-hmm. Nyla Rose is a green wrestler. Yeah, like you said, Jay Cargill newer wrestler. Like AEW, like most of the super experienced uh, women's wrestlers at the time, WWE was scooping them up you know, left and right. Some of them, oh, they yeah. were, and like Sarah Stock and Sarah Del Rey, they signed them and they, they're not even wrestling, you know, like that's two uh, nope. top uh, wrestlers out there. So there was, there was kind of this shortage of uh, women's talent, I think when AEW started up. And so it takes them a while to build up. Like even Britt Baker, a new wrestler. When AEW started, she was not ready to main event shows, you know, she's gotten there over time. Yeah, she's so good, and uh, uh, I mean, but, and when, if we're being, she's not the best worker in that company by far. The the Joshi are all great, um, but like she is a great character. Yeah, I am like a guy that is not. <laughs> uh, I'm not overly concerned with athleticism in professional wrestling. <laughs> I like it, but I also just. I mean, I like the personalities, you know, I, I, uh, uh, I think something I loved this week a lot was, uh, and it, this is carrying on over two or three weeks. And what I believe to be the next month or two is John Moxley. Oh yeah. Is he ripped is that boy now. Apart. I loved his match. He that boy apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor I num- loved What's his it. name? I 10, that number match. 10. He just beat the shit. Yeah. He beat the fucking hell out of him. The guy bladed like great because it looked like John Moxley took a bite out of his head. And uh, but this new sort of march to John Moxley basically being he's like a heel now. And you just, you know, he's not saying it. He's not doing some big dramatic turn. That's how he acts. But he's a heel. How he acts is what he does in the ring, which is how you. Determine you're a heel in, say, Japan. It's not just you get on the mic and say I'm a bad guy. It's like, no, you cheat in the match. You you take <laughs> liberties. You you know, you use weapons. That's what makes you a heel. Well, yeah, and also just, like, if the reason I'm saying this is because this run he's on, he, he starts with Wheeler Utah and just kind of beats the shit out of this guy. Then... Preston Vance. Now next week, he's wrestling Orange Cassidy, and then the week after that, he's wrestling wrestling Brian Danielson. Or at the pay per view, I think he's wrestling Brian Danielson, and he is running through some of the most up to you know he's running up through the ranks of the most beloved baby faces in the company, and I think he's going to beat Brian at the pay per view too. Oh. And uh, they're just turning him into a monster, which is what he always should have been. And it's so great to see that guy being like what he is, because, you know, he's he's another classic case of of 
misuse. And it, it's taken a very long time for him to get to this point where, like, you know, we're going to watch this and be like, holy shit, this guy. You know, he's in a company that just picked up CM Punk, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson. And, like, there was a period where I like, I'm like, are they forgetting about him? And really, they just cooled him down so that they can heat yes. him back up. I and it is so good. I like that AEW almost unofficially kind of has these seasons where people, you know, they come in, they do a few, they might take a few months off, then come back. This, I mean, this is what happened with Sheeta and Deeb. Sheeta hadn't been on TV for uh, Dynamite for months, since, uh, basically since she lost the title. But they immediately were able to make her match with Deeb important and then the rematch important. It's almost like they book like UFC books. Because UFC does not mm -hmm. fight. UFC fighters don't fight every week. They fight once every three months, if that. Sometimes two times a year the biggest stars fight. So it's a special every time you see somebody. Like uh, the rematch for um, Andrade and uh, uh, Pac. They waited, like the, the time between those rematches made it seem like a really big deal. And it's just a big deal because we get to see these two guys who are great top-notch wrestlers fight. And I think that's really just the key to what makes AEW interesting is that they actually say, yes, this is a wrestling. The matches matter. It, it You should be excited every time you see uh, Bobby Fish on the show versus Brian Danielson. That's a dream match. You should be excited for that. Just period. WWE somehow forgot that you were supposed to actually put on matches that people... to people wanted to see now they just throw like eight the way that aj styles is used compared to the way that he would be used <laughs> in AEW. i like there's no comparison like if you're an aj styles fan like why would you turn on wb they're not giving you anything you want to see the aj styles run in new japan is one of my favorite runs by any wrestler at period i i he was so good in the Bullet Club. And listen, AJ Styles is a cornball in real life. I mean, always uh, has been. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's a cornball in real life, but somehow in Japan and in Ring of Honor, they made him seem like the coolest fucking guy in the world and the best wrestler in the world. And now when you see him, you're like, I see that cornball <laughs> again. I can't see on the other side of the cornball and and you know um he was never gonna be a guy i think he over succeeded uh, uh that's not a word but you know what i mean like in ww i think in wwe he he has done more than anybody would have ever believed he would be able to do um, he's he's kind of like Kevin. Well, I mean, what, I way, mean, all like, well, I, I mean, mean, all that means is just that we don't we didn't believe Vince McMahon would book him the exact way that every <laughs> other promoter that has ever existed would book him. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. It just means that like he was able to fool <laughs> one psychopathic crazy man into doing the thing yeah. that anybody else would have done. With AJ Styles. Yeah, and he was so good, though. He was such a heel in New Japan when he was in New Japan. And uh, it wasn't that he was, like, saying, I'm doing an evil thing. He was just kind of, you know, he would, he would in when somebody was getting the best of him in a match, he would roll out of the ring and, like, throw a tantrum and pound <laughs> on the 
on the uh, apron and just almost like a guy like it felt like he was really fighting these guys and now it doesn't it just I mean he's on cruise control and God bless him you know the the he needs his like he worked probably for pretty cheap for a number of years I think in in TNA and it was pretty thankless work and uh so I guess like for me it's like I think he might be washed anyway and uh make that money AJ make get that money off that old crazy billionaire <laughs> so you know um when uh you those tape when that run was happening I was like the supplier of the bootlegs for New Japan I was a major supplier Oh really That is I heard that uh uh I know a guy that runs Taima too or did i don't think he's doing it anymore so i I know a lot of the bootleggers out there the wrestling i amazingly know more wrestling tape traders than people might think of me what did you think of charlotte and becky lynch thing oh Um, yes we gotta talk about this did you catch any i mean i saw the clips on uh Twitter and the in the discourse around it. So for people who don't know, apparently there was a little bit of discontent between uh, Charlotte and uh, Becky uh, Becky Lynch. Um, they were supposed to swap titles because of this goofy brand <laughs> split that WWE did. So they have to make their champions hand their belts over to one another. And obviously both Becky and Charlotte know how fucking stupid this looks and how it makes them both look weak. And they couldn't figure out a way to do it that would make them both happy. Allegedly, um, Becky wanted to have a hold up both tiles at the same time. And of course, Charlotte was like, fuck that, which of course she would be. And so she ends up like being non-cooperative during the skid and kind of tossing the belt so that she can't get in. And Rebecca Knox tosses her belt and they both end up looking like even worse than if they had just handed it (laughs) to each other. But you cannot, you can't really, I can't really blame them because it's just put as this awkward situation to put wrestlers and that looked goofy. Um, alleg- apparently, Charlotte didn't want to do this. She just wanted to drop the belt to Bianca Belair and let that be that instead of passing the belt to someone else. It just seemed silly and not really what wrestling's about. Um, one thing here, I will say this. Uh, the easiest solution to this belt problem is, okay, there's two easy solutions. One, you decide who yes. wins and loses. And, so you can put the belt on anybody. And who gets drafted where? And who get, you decide who gets drafted <laughs> where to as well. You decided that a week ago. But <laughs> you, you, you just but, didn't have to do it. But I'll say this. You could also just change the names of the titles so they're not specific to a TV yes. show. You don't have to call it the raw title. You can call it the the women's title or anything like that. Like it doesn't have to, have to be named after the TV show. So it's it's on it's piles and piles of of sort of <laughs> stupid uh, shit that they 
booked themselves into. But I have a question because I haven't been able to understand this part of the discourse at all. But, you know, I'm willing to listen to people is um, I find the, the, the belt switch to be stupid and it stinks. I haven't been able to figure out why it makes both of them look bad, though. Like they're both title holders, they're still but they're both just ha- sort of have yeah, the title. There is not fungible. It's the title you won that title. Like LeBron and Tom Brady can't just trade rings. That's not the one they won. You get the title you <laughs> won. It's supposed to mean something. You're not supposed to hand it over for any reason. You should be handed over over your dead body. It's never a good look whenever somebody hands over a title. I don't. Th- I, don't I can't think of a time it's ever really worked out. It, it looked awful for Chris Jericho when he won the title and then handed it back without like fighting and scrapping for it. It just it just makes you look stupid. It's supposed to be the most important thing. You shouldn't be willing to hand it over. You should get pissed off if like somebody else touches it. That's true. I just I just felt like I guess like I'm so used to them treating the like title like a prop. Yeah. yeah, like it's a prop. It's just like, oh, you, you know, this one, we'll what's get that the difference? One. They both still yeah. have Yeah, they both still have titles, but you do want the in a perfect world uh the the world title would be above the top title, but they have two of them. They would just have one. So, award. they would just, they only, they don't, I don't know. You don't need the brand split or the multiple titles. They have way too many titles. None of them no. mean anything. They have ways to, they have so many, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I was just thinking about, like, but everyone in the new day is going to be get to be world champion. That's fucking goofy. Everybody in the faction <laughs> does not get to be world champion. One person out of the faction might be good enough to be world champion. Think of how many horsemen lineups only had one world champion. And um, you're telling me that new day is better than the fucking horsemen? Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. You're right. And and you know, it wouldn't be like a negative thing for Big E to have the uh world title and Xavier have the US title and uh uh or Xavier and Kofi have the See, tag titles. There's like a way to put a belt in yeah, everybody's hands. It's always hand. better when those secondary guys have the tag titles or they have the secondary title. There's never a better guy then the second guy in the Hill group with the secondary title, he always had, he gets to hold the belt the longest. He gets to have the most fun with it. That's always the best stuff. Okay, I. But everybody doesn't have to be the world champion, and you don't need two world right. champions in the same company. Yeah, well, yeah, that it really doesn't make sense. It's funny. Uh, I was listening to uh, Lance Storm on the uh, observer and he kind of talked about that kind of uh uh he got very annoyed with Josh Alexander in the build to his title win last month which by the way I'm pro that 
I'm pro. Oh, what let's talk to about it. Oh, Madden. that was awesome. Sure. It was so good. So Josh Alexander. <laughs> now, this is one example where I think handing over their title makes sense and actually means something because he handed in the X division title for a shot at the world title. That makes perfect sense to me. That actually is very meaningful, and that's why you don't want them handing out the belts willy-nilly so that when Joss Alexander hands over even a secondary title, that's like a real sacrifice uh, for him. And he comes out. And after a great match, I watched a match live uh, with Christian Cage, uh, who is, by the way, just still a stellar uh, performer and has the best theme song in wrestling. I think still is just his old TNA thing. TNA has some bangers. Um, but and they have a great match. He wins this world title. His his beautiful wife Jade Chung, who's a wrestler and, and manager, is in her own right there. His eldest son is there. His youngest son's watching at home. And then out comes motherfucking Moose, who has won a, uh, a, a like a gauntlet earlier in the night to challenge for the world title. And he comes in and just whops him. And then one, two, three, takes the belt from him. The announcers were in tears, in tears. Yeah. It was such a great moment, such great pro wrestling. Yeah, if somebody... The people that were like mad at that, like let Josh Alexander have his moment. It's like, yeah, he oh yeah, did he had his, his moment. moment. Like that whole thing was his moment. It's not a fucking. He didn't win a match. It's so hard to explain to people that like his moment was including getting beat by Moose because now he's going to be chasing Moose for that title, and it'll be meaningful. When he wins it from, or Moose. maybe he doesn't win it. Maybe he is. Maybe it's a Tommy maybe Dreamer. He maybe because he's not. Because his whole storyline is that this is his. He retired already. He's not supposed to be wrestling. You know, he's not supposed to. Be, they told him he couldn't never wrestle again. So this was his second chance, and he gets that title, and then he loses it immediately, like Tommy Dreamer did when he uh, won the ECW World Title, and just incredible took it off him. It's a good thing. I feel like WWE does this sort of thing so willy-nilly and in ways that are meaningless. Even though it's the same basically thing, you have the heel steal a title from somebody. But you can do that in a way that's meaningful. And TNA really did everything in the build-up, in the lead-up. And it felt like a genuine surprise when it happened. And like you were at, like you, you just don't get that when it's... um like the money in the bank with WWE and they talk about it constantly for like months on end and everybody knows, you know, basically when it's going to happen. This was like legitimately shocking and like, and good, great pro wrestling. I'm shocked to say that TNA is pretty goddamn good right now. Yeah. That's just, that's such good thing. But what, what Lance storm was complaining about was in the build to that. Josh Alexander said he won a world title in Canada and it was for like an indie or something mm. like that. And uh, Lance Storm was annoyed because he said, "The you're working towards the world title. You call that just a title? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, and I was just like, you know, Lance Storm, you are the uh, uh, pickiest guy I've ever heard, but you yeah, it's a point. A point. There, See, here, here's the thing I'm learning. When you look at all the, the pickiest guys in wrestling, from the Cornets to the Storms to all, 
all that stuff. They're picky for a reason. They're picky because as soon as you give an inch in wrestling, people will take a mile. Uh, like the like things like uh, J- Cornette was talking about. He never would have done the scaffold match if he thought it would end up with Mick Foley nearly killing himself in the Hell in a Cell or something like that. You don't want to do you know if you do one chair if you do you know seven chair shots in the first match, which happened at a Crown Jewel. Then what the fuck are you gonna do? in the last match so i think the nitpickiness of it is usually you know for, for a reason so like you said yeah it, there is a point like you should not be careful with that you know don't call it a world title if you're fighting for a world title one thing that really pissed me off about aew and the reality show was um roads to the top is it was the episode where um ricky starks wins the tnt world title right go, go, dynamite goes off hot Everybody's excited for a TNT world title. And hey, there'll be an interview with the new TNT champion, Ricky Starks, during the commercial break. It's oh, Sammy, so, Guevara. Sammy Guevara. So, I, why, why I kept thinking Ricky Starks. Oh, he is the FTW champion. Yeah, Sammy Guevara. Yeah, yeah and so Sammy Guevara, there's going to be an interview with Sammy G. But in the Rose to the Top TV program, they talk about like booking Miro's title win and like, like like just like openly like breaking the kayfabe of it like you just convinced me that the tnt tnt title was like the most important thing in the world don't tell me on the rally show that's fake too like i understand that just don't tell me in the same 15 minute period i don't love that there's a reality show that talks uh that talks about that kind of thing and they don't have to. And the thing is, they don't really have to. You could, like, have the same show without, like, just those little moments of, you know, kayfabe break. And I don't know why they edit it like that, especially since they're airing it back to back. And I do have to say, though, Roads to the Top is good because it's led to this revitalization of <laughs> Cody that I also think is something that they're doing really well. Like, I really feel like they're doing the guys that were there before Punk and Danielson. Like they're really, they're still using yeah. them. They 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 felt like they had to downcycle them, but they feel like they can bring them back up now. And like the Cody story is great. I I love it. Uh, I I know people might say like, oh, we've seen this before uh, with John Cena or with Roman Reigns, the the thing about that is, is that, like, it was done on accident with those <laughs> guys. <laughs> They're doing yeah. it on purpose this time. He is a guy that thinks he's a baby face, and he is going to fucking act like a baby face. And, like, you're just going to get so fucking mad at him because he won't act yeah. like a heel. <laughs> And I fucking yeah, love there's that. Been a few pretty good delusional uh, babyface uh, storylines, but it, but yeah, when it's on purpose, it works and it's good. It, when it, when the fans just hate the babyface, and you can tell the guy hates going out there and reading his lines, that's a little bit different thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because I've seen people say like. Oh, we've seen the we've seen this before. Number one, wrestling is nothing if they don't use yes. their tropes. You know, it's mandatory. Like, I want to see stuff like that. Yeah, and like I think it's being very well done. 
I think they're folding in some really cool guys that I felt like were kind of getting the shaft lately, like Pac and Andrade. And uh, uh, they're folding those guys back in. And, like, I just – I feel like – I love how this roster just seems to, like – like move in and out between each pay-per-view cycle. I think that's like a really good fucking way to run a thing. Not everybody's on the pay-per-view, uh, but they'll probably yes, be on yes. the next good. one. Yeah. If it's somebody that way, that we don't get love. sick. They'll probably we don't be on get the next sick one. Every time we see somebody, we're excited. I want to say though, about Charlotte and Becky too, real quick. Uh, I think that Charlotte, caring about her how she's portrayed and how she's booked and then also being framed like a, a, a prima donna sort of thing and like oh you know she's not being a pro very and stuff Sean like that. Like, Brett vibes yeah and it bothers me because like people on that roster should be fighting to fix what the fucking problems are and if nobody ever fights about how, I mean, it's, you know, you say the thing about activism, right? It's like, if nobody ever does anything, then nothing's ever going to fucking happen. So I was just really impressed with Charlotte. And I, I, yeah, I, you know, if you go out there and you're like, I'm fucking, I don't want to look bad. I want to look good. I'm not just going to say what you tell me. And I'm not just going to do what you tell me. Sure, it might get you pulled off TV. Charlotte's not getting pulled off TV because they can't let her fucking go. You know, I mean, I guess they could ice her for the rest of her contract. They're not going to do that, though. They No way. Not with Charlotte Flair. So I fucking I am 100 percent cool with her uh, uh, doing what what happened there was no physical yeah. violence or anything like that it just feels like such a transgression to people when you don't follow the fucking <laughs> script in a pro wrestling show yeah uh I, I wanted to pick up something about charlotte because there was a tweet that re- went around and people got people talk it and it said uh i'm not a fan of charlotte flair i have never been but she is the greatest female in-ring performer to ever live well, first of all, obviously, does if she's the greatest to ever live, why aren't you a fan? Why do you feel the need to say she's the greatest if you yeah. aren't a fan? Like, what is the point of this? Some people, these people, just need to feel the need to make these declarative statements for some reason that they don't even believe themselves. But whatever. If you do believe this, I implore you to watch non WWE wrestling. And wrestling before the year, you know, 2005. And especially if you really want to know who the greatest uh, women's wrestler is, you got to watch AJW. You got to watch Joshi. My pick is Minami Toyota. I have said this many times. I believe she is the greatest professional wrestler of all time, regardless of gender. But Minami Toyota and a lot of people... Having to agree with me. Some people say Akira Hokuto uh, from that generation of AJW. Some, you know, but those are, you know, wh- who would you say, Brian? Who who you feel is the top women's wrestler of all time? Oh, of all time. 
I'm I uh, have not watched a ton of Joshi, and I do have. I think I do have to pick an American person, and I know this is wrong, but I guess I can just say my favorite and who I think would be incredible somewhere else is uh, uh, Sasha Banks. I think is is like really I think she's great and I think she like knows how to do it. But I fully realize that like, you know, having not seen a lot of the Joshi, that's not right. I just she is my favorite. She's my favorite female wrestler, I believe. I I I just think she's great. Yeah, she she's someone who I think I mean, I saw her matches before she signed with WWE. And she signed fairly early into her career, but she was incredibly impressive. And she was a huge fan of Joshi, a real student of wrestling. I was actually kind of sad with how soon she got signed because she didn't even get to like do like the big indies or anything like that. It was like she did a couple of sh she did uh, like beyond wrestling, some stuff in Boston for like a year or two. And then, bam, signed with WWE. Uh, non-stop like she's someone I would love to see go to AEW love to do a couple of tours of Japan because as you said like you you Brian you got the eye like she's someone that even though like I haven't seen a lot of her I've seen enough to know that she could have been the greatest wrestler of all time I remember when she was still at NXT so she hadn't probably been doing it for too long she had a match with Bailey in the performance center at a takeover where like she was being mean to this little girl Izzy in the <laughs> audience. And uh when I saw her do that, man, I just was like, she is so fucking good. They gotta get her. I I I really hope that there's gonna come a point where where Vince decides to just let them go out there and do the match they want to do like i hold out hope that maybe some someday somebody will be like hey all our matches look exactly the same <laughs> and then he's like we gotta change them and then all of a sudden it's good it's just he just doesn't <laughs> so, get he, it's just that's just not how it works it's, just, it's and it'll never be like just vince is so sad like getting him to do like one thing to get getting him to add asking him for permission to ask to do one thing in your match is like a month long process so like being able unless you're one of his guys i mean triple h can obviously do whatever the fuck he wants in his matches which is a good transition because our wrestling yes. controversy <laughs> that we're going to look back at today wrestlemania 19 it was not during the Jim Crow era, this WrestleMania. In fact, this WrestleMania was in 2003. There will be a black president in five years. But WrestleMania 19, taking place in Seattle, Washington, I, I guess fittingly enough, given the rise of, uh, given the presence of white supremacist groups there, <laughs> possibly the most racist feud of all time. Triple H versus Booker T uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 19. 
top to bottom, a pretty, you know, decent WrestleMania. Bizarre Hulk Hogan versus McMahon, uh, Vince McMahon feud where Vince McMahon, Very they tried to match. convince us that everyone had been waiting 20 years to see Vince McMahon fight Hulk Hogan. We didn't know who the fuck McMahon was. We thought he was an announcer. Okay? Like, not when Hogan was at his, at his, like, peak. Yeah, no, Vince was sir, just an announcer. He's a small guy. Was. No, and no, Hulk Hogan is supposed to be in kayfabe, the greatest wrestler of all time. Why would, why would McMahon, like, even stand a chance against him? But I digress. You had your third uh, Rock versus Stone Cold match. You headlined by the Brock versus Kurt Angle match, which always struck me as very odd because neither one of those wrestlers at the time to me seemed like the guy for WWE, especially when you had Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin, even like a Triple H, and Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. I would have suspected almost all of those guys to headline over that. Triple H versus Booker T for the World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H with Ric Flair, I should mention, uh, as his manager. This was in the era where Triple H was trying to convince us that he was the heir apparent to Ric Flair. He, I mean, he literally just he made his ah. fake four horsemen group. He hung out with Ric Flair all the time. He won, he won the title a bunch, and he kept wanting us to think that he was the new Ric Flair. Only, and no one believed him for not even for one solitary second and that's why he's in the middle of the card and not hot not actually headlining the show which rick flair would have oh he did that to be nice he also had a harley race phase phase where everybody was just kind of like oh he well when triple h was like oh he's harley race i i i think another funny triple h thing is uh you know, obviously, I'm not going to suggest that you watch something that they put out. But if you can find a documentary made by World Wrestling Entertainment about Degeneration X, you will never see a person more inflated, like their impact on wrestling more inflated <laughs> than Triple H. In those documentaries, it's the craziest thing. Nobody gave a shit about Triple H. Oh, They're I might have to do a little watch party. I mean, this is this actually. I may have to take <laughs> back. Just trust me. It has two Limp Biscuit performances. Maybe it kind of sucks. Like. Well, that's good. <laughs> not that, but it's bad performances. It's bad performances and not their best songs. Yeah, they got banned actually. Oh, oh really? This, I think. But uh, yeah, Fred Durst threw up a middle finger on a show and he's oh yeah he threw it up a bunch wait wait a minute stone Um, cold (laughs) threw up the middle of this might it might have been a few years later then when he did it but but yeah i i mean lesnar to me never looked can't miss and i actually stopped watching wrestling when he right around when he debuted uh because i just i like wasn't impressed with it he he wasn't that interesting i mean if I'm being fucking totally honest, I don't find yes. him interesting now and have it for a very long time. The last time I found him interesting was uh, when Vince had him uh, elbow Randy Orton's head open and bleed all over the fucking mat 
And uh, that's the last time I was like, wow, that's that's like an interesting yeah, finish. But, I mean, I don't like that you did that to Randy Orton. Like, you could have done that to some chump. I, I maybe, that, well, maybe that's WWE kind of thinking. But uh, I digress. But yeah, I never bought into Brock, and Brock doesn't give a shit about wrestling or WWE. So I don't even like believe him as their guy. I don't know what weird relationship him and Vince has but like he just for me has never been a guy that I care that much about apparently there is a vast swath of people who do I don't understand him he's just kind of like a kind of a big guy but that's it that's it he's a pretty good wrestler well no he was a pretty good wrestler I should say uh, I think he's pretty garbage now but I digress you kind yeah. of washed. <laughs> well, he's not yeah, he doing, doing anything. anything. He's not like really a pro no. wrestler. He comes in and suplexes somebody 15 times and then pins them. It's like, I don't know. I'm not like, again, I, I mean, even like recently when they added him, when he re-debuted, uh, I believe like a week after or maybe even the same weekend that fucking... Uh, um, Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuted and people were like, oh yeah. And Brock, Brock came back too. And it's like, Brock yes. been there. Brock never left. Like he's always been <laughs> there. Talking about he's never wrestled for anywhere. So, well, I guess new Japan for a cup of coffee, but yeah. WWE guy. Yeah. But, but triple H Ooh. is like a guy who, who, is married to the boss's daughter who whose position is solely because of that and because he has this position which is significantly lower than it had been over the years now but there was a period where it was kind of high because he has this position he gets to write his own lore and uh, that's the only way in which Triple H is an interesting character in yeah. the world to me, is that he's the guy that writes his own lore. So he is the most important cog in everything that's happened to WWE. I mean, if people remember right, uh, uh, Kevin Owens was... I believe the first universal champion or the, or he won the universal title, but it was because triple H came in and pedigreed the guy he was wrestling and then told him to go ahead and pin him. And, uh, uh, so like he, he inserts himself in the most interesting storylines. Uh, one of the reasons CM Punk left is because he was going to have to wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania. And he was like, I don't like want to <laughs> wrestle Triple H. Like they were treating it like it was some kind of a prize that, oh, well, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar got the Undertaker match and and you're going to get the Triple H match. And he was like, I don't fucking <laughs> care about wrestling Triple H. <laughs> that must have hurt his feelings so much. And I, just, I just could imagine Paul just sitting there, just so sad knowing that he doesn't want to wrestle him. Yeah, he's not an important guy. I mean, he is an important guy in wrestling now, but only because, like... He was in charge of a, of talent relations for a long time, and he was running NXT, which was like undoubtedly over for a few years. 
But uh, he's not doing any well, of that anymore. Yeah. So, so. Uh, this Booker T match, and it really starts with this promo from the March third, two thousand three, Monday Night Raw, where Booker, where the announcers are talking about Booker T challenging for the world title. He talks about how he's a five-time WCW champion, and Triple H comes out and cuts the most racist promo of all time talking about how people like Booker T don't win titles in WWE, how he doesn't belong there, even though he's a five-time, he's won the title that he's carrying five times. He's won that exact title five times already, Booker T. But Triple H tells him he doesn't belong there with his nappy hair. He uh, thanks him for dancing for him and laughing for him. He says basically everything but the N-word and shuck and jive. It's... It definitely the most racist promo, one of the most racist promos of all time in WWE. But the kicker, oh, go ahead, it, Brian. I'm sorry. It is one at one time. It's it's racism, but you cannot also discount uh, Vince's yes. hatred of WCW and making everything that ever came from WCW look like. Oh a yeah, small there is a thing. there is a caveat. Wait, there is a. a point where he also talks about how crappy WCW was, how WCW was garbage. He makes sure Ric Flair says WCW is garbage. Then what's the fucking point of this belt, WCW belt you're carrying, you <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's so funny because it's like, like that would be enough to be pissed off about this story, right? But that is just that's like the smallest thing because it's yes. also racist. It's like it takes it up so many levels. No, no, maybe people are thinking, look, it's a storyline, folks. The bad guy is going to be bad. He's going to say bad stuff. And you know what? I'm open to that. I'm fine. I'm, I am even open to make if Triple H, I'm sure he wanted to actually just say the N word. We should mention that Triple H's logo is literally an iron cross and ha- always has been. It's literally an iron cross. Anybody can look that up. Um, so I, I'm not shocked that Triple H uh, would like would go extremely racist in this promo. But he's also done black does bla- face done blackface. Uh, yeah, several times, multiple times. <laughs> Uh, yellow face as well, yellow face as well. Um, but all that aside, if Booker T overcomes the odds, I don't know why he's overcoming the odds. He's won titles as many times as Triple H, whatever. If he overcomes the odds at WrestleMania wins the title, all right, he's vindicated. He's proven the racist white supremacist guy with the Iron Cross logo wrong. Pro wrestling victory. But that's not what happens at WrestleMania 19. At WrestleMania 19, after a middling, not bad, but middling match. A Triple H <laughs> yeah, match. Yes, a Triple A match. <laughs> <clears throat> Probably 25 minutes long it, or more. If, if, it not, not really much happens. This is a Triple H match. The most exciting thing is when Booger T does the Harlem hangover and he lands right on Triple H's head. At least it looks like it. You almost think maybe we might be rid of him, but no. Uh, he pops up, gives Booger T the boot, hits the pedigree, one, two, three. Wins the match clean. 
clean after telling him that Negroids do not belong in world title matches. He wins clean. That's not pro wrestling. I, that I don't know what that is. I, that's just like racism. It's like if American History X, the guy didn't learn <laughs> anything at the end. Like it's like, oh, this is just a movie about a, a Nazi that <laughs> is a Nazi and never changed. Fine, but pro wrestling, the good guy's supposed to win. That's like the way it works. If if the if the bad guy wins, then he didn't get anything. And I haven't seen a match in a long time. But uh, isn't it the also that, like, Triple H sells for, like, a second before he goes for the pin? Oh, yeah. He does and, delay uh, it. Uh, so, yeah, he delays it, which if, if, you know, if you're a person that's listening to this that hasn't watched wrestling, like, when you do your finish, you want to pin them immediately and count, you know, get the pin because if you don't do that and you get the pin, if you if you sell for a minute and then pin them and you get the pin, that means that they like, you know, uh uh they were beaten like way worse than like, you know, the classic other cool thing that Hulk Hogan did a lot of times is after three, you kick out so that it looks like you were just oh. about to win. But like, uh, uh, you always want to, which I think, you know, kicking out right after three every now and then is the coolest thing. And I love it. So I, I'm a big fan of that, but like, yeah, like doing the crawl over is just this like extra disrespect where like, you know, you could even picture a world where Booker T loses, but like doesn't lose anything from losing. And that the lesson of the story is that like, you know, uh, black people can't be in world title matches in WWE, which is that's what you would read as the end of this story. Is yes. that's the moral. What else could I you guess. say? So, I went uh, to you know the horse's mouth, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Vince McMahon, number one lackey and uh, suck up, uh, complete dirtbag, uh, habitual liar. Um, but he hosts a podcast with this guy called Conrad who calls him all this shit nonstop. And he asked him about this and he tried to defend and say, oh, it wasn't meant to be racist. It was more meant to be uh, someone from WCW doesn't belong in WWE. Doesn't explain the nappy hair comment. But when Bruce was asked about it, he says, well, you know, sometimes they don't execute the thing, the p things that we tell them to say the way we mean it implying that this was kind of an ad lib from Triple H to make to lean into yeah. the racism <laughs> which is interesting for Bruce Pritchard who I believe works for W still he probably works under uh Triple H he does <laughs> no I don't I think he works he's, yeah, he's one, one of, of Vince's guys. guys like I don't think they're in I think they're in uh, I think Vince and Triple H are basically oh, okay. in different camps at this but point but yeah that's, that's a pretty I mean, I, I listened to Bruce's talk about it, and he said there was never any plan. So they knew when they were cutting the racist promo that Triple H was going to win the match. People have always wondered, like, did they change it at the last minute? Why was that promo so racist if they knew Booker T was going to lose? They knew the whole time that Booker T was going to lose. 
but they still went that hard with that like level of racism and heat knowing the whole time that Triple H was going to win. Really amazing uh, stuff. And the reason they wanted Triple H to win is because they wanted to only, Vince got in his head that only Brock Lesnar could win a title on the show in order to crown him and make him look special. Oh, Like that's one of the, like Vince just gets these little weird things in his head and then it leads to the most racist moment in all of WrestleMania for no particular reason. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I wasn't watching when this happened. I went back and watched this. I've seen all the WrestleManias, um, but I went back and and kind. Of, I remember watching this because specifically because I had heard from a lot of people that it's a real bummer, and you know anybody that knows me knows. Uh, I love a bummer. I love to look at things yeah. that are a bummer. <laughs> so I mean, I uh, I did go back and watch this, and it's really yeah, and, depressing, man. Like when when he wins, it's like, how could anybody? Yeah, and enjoy Jerry this? Lawler on commentary, which we know these lines, a lot of this stuff is being fed to him by fence. He says of Booker T, he was born on a pool table. He went he went to the mall with Booker T, and he tried to pay with cigarettes. He's a thief. He's a criminal. Yeah, like everything in the book, extremely racist to watch. And then, like, what do you say after that? After you all, like, what does the what does uh, Jr. say to Jerry Lawler? Like, well, yeah, I guess Booker T is a piece of worthless piece of garbage. What do you say after that? Which is interesting too, because like people do tan. Listen, people talk about how wrestling is looked at as like low art and it's like this whole horrible thing. But because of that, Vince McMahon gets a pass on so much stuff. And this is this is sort of one of those things that people already see wrestling as this like kind of small thing that that, you know, it's trashy. And uh, people just don't call Vince on his bullshit. It, it, and if they do, you know, there's a lot of people out there that'll just defend Vince till the day that they die. Like they look up to Vince. I, I, uh, uh, you know, you see a lot of people out there that that sort of think he's like the most genius <laughs> mind of all this of all time, and like aren't willing to go anywhere else and to tell you the truth the first time i saw wcw i thought it looked cheap and generic you know and i was like i'm not gonna watch this what is this the generic wrestling because i had grown up with wwf and like uh it took some getting used to but like now i don't think wcw monday nitro looks cheaper than raw yeah. at all but at the time, I had just sort of convinced myself that that like WWF is like actually the good wrestling that looks good, and WCW just looks like it takes place in an arena, you know, like a sport. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, it's just like one of those things that like Vince McMahon has like painted so many people's childhoods in a way. Like a lot of wrestling fans don't get yes. over that sort of hump you have to be like a super fan to get on the other side of like maybe vince mcmahon doesn't 
present wrestling the best way possible or even like yeah. a semi good way. The the only people that have presented it worse is Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve. <laughs> really? I've never I haven't seen recent Evolve, so I, I don't know. Not, well, he's not doing it anymore, but it just always looked oh, like well, shit. I, you, you mean just the look? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. The look and the fact that the microphone's not plugged into the board that like you're listening to the microphone on a DVD with through the house speakers. Oh, that's just indie shit. wrestling. Sometimes you got to get that. So that's just indie wrestling. On the house speakers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I just that's the only time I can think. That's the only person I can think of that has has presented wrestling. Oh that's no! Oh, there's there. Oh, than, that's uh, not even uh, cool. That's not even, you. You haven't seen nothing yet, Brian. But we do have to mention. Uh, <laughs> since you mentioned Gabe, uh, ROH uh, releasing all its wrestlers, shutting down full time operations at least until uh, from after final battle until early April and. Still not sure how it's coming back, but the word on the street is just going to be not having contracted wrestlers when it does come back. Seems like Sinclair, which has, you know, billions of dollars from what I understand, could run a wrestling company fairly easily, but they're kind of pulling out and saying they're done with it for some reason. They're running an indie now. It's just a super indie now, which probably isn't the worst thing in the world. Well, for the wrestlers, it is. For the wrestlers, it, it, it is. But, I mean, I don't think that, like... Ring of Honor was going to bring back crowds and it was all of a sudden going to be this thing that like people gravitate to. It, it does feel like they were on the downswing anyway. And, you know, the hope is that like if they are running like a super indie that they put some fucking cool shows on, you know, like I, I know they don't. It hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been great no, uh, for a while. But their uh, their like, their COVID shows are actually very good, and then like they like th- this is why people are mad because like they were like d- like uh, they treated the wrestlers very well during COVID, and so you know I I don't want to see any company close, especially not Ring of Honor. Like there's very few companies I would be happy to see close Ring of Honor. I mean they're so important. They're like they're essential. Like nothing exists now without Ring of Honor. There's no AEW. Without Ring of Honor, right. there was no NXT without Ring of Honor. Most of these guys that you like would be, you know, uh, selling cars. Uh, CM Punk would be working at a gas station. Like, you know. Yeah, some of my favorite shit of the past few years, of the past 10 years has been Ring of yeah. Honor stuff. Like I, I, you know, I was a big fan in the, in the, uh, uh, fuck that era where it was like fucking Adam Cole was there. The young bucks were there. Uh, uh, and like right before that, there was just a period where it was really good. They were working with new Japan. I went to a lot of their shows. I went to a lot of their TV tapings and, uh, I, I really dug it. I just, I, I guess it sucks that guys are going to lose contracts. I do think that some of those guys will land on their feet and be okay. 
uh, there are guys that like it's like oh man you know Silas Young's probably actually he's running a wrestling school so he's probably gonna be okay yeah but like, uh, <laughs> and they just uh, there were so I many women it, wrestlers because they just had that tournament uh, so yeah it is exciting to see that maybe the Briscoes might go somewhere uh like see them wrestle some new people i know they were just on gcw and they're doing another gcw show but i you know uh uh yeah, i like the briscoes <laughs> they're impossible for me not to like as a tag team and i would love to see them with like ftr and the bucks and the lucha brothers and like all these people they've never wrestled because they never left ring of honor um but yeah I mean, it sucks, uh, but there are examples of super indies that have worked out, maybe not on the level of Ring of Honor, but like there are examples of it, and it could still work out, and people could still get paid, you know? I think, I don't know that this means, I don't even think they're going to lose their TV, I don't think. Like I, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that I they they haven't like really announced that, but if they keep their TV, they're always going to be at a certain level because so many people watch it, uh, because it's over the air on over the air TV. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what it ends up being. I guess, and it sounds like their plan is to come back for the WrestleMania weekend shows next year which i mean they could do they do very well at wrestlemania weekend i know i see them a lot of times on wrestlemania weekend so uh good luck to everybody in ring of honor uh i am still cautiously optimistic that they'll do something interesting yeah, i mean though. it's just that you know there's so many people like there's nothing they can do that's going to make up for like 30 40 you know rest full-time wrestling contracts is the is a thing yeah. for me so yeah that's fine. for sure for sure all right so that is our wrestling show brian thank you so much you are welcome it was right. very fun have a good night peace Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.